Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello, so another game week comes to an end as we weave our way towards the climax of yet another season. The band's back together. Nick returns after personal commitments. Mate, he couldn't quite make it last time. You right, mate? Everything okay? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm back after a leave of absence last week. And it's really been a, a crazy couple of weeks in the football world, hasn't it? Never really seen anything quite like it. But luckily for now, seems everything's back to normal. The format of the F- FPL and the Premier League will not be disrupted. And by extension, the competitiveness of FPL, the game we all love, will continue as it was, which is brilliant. We are Who Got the Assist. Make sure to give us a follow on all the social media channels, Instagram, WGTA.FPL, Twitter at WGTA underscore FPL, at WGTA underscore Nick at FPL Stag as well. The Stag and the Mini League, of course, make sure to give that a join. No, it's a bit late now in the season. It's CPSURF. Um, we're joined as always by Anthony. How are you doing? I hear you're kind of in the dark at the moment. It's uh, very interesting. Yeah, that's not metaphorical. That's very much just a literally, I have a power cut. And because I usually use mobile internet and I had my laptop charged, I'm still able to podcast, but I'm doing it in the dark here in the room. So yeah, just as well as a good backlight on the laptop so I can read what I'm doing here. So anyway, this pod today hopefully will be a bit more enlightening than my room. Uh, correspondence is basically going to be the key to it, uh, which is truly the finest thing that you guys could ever hear. Um, we're going to be basically, we have an avalanche of emails that have come in and we're just going to fire through those because they really hit so many of the on the button issues that we have. And uh, we're also going to go through some of the listeners' questions as we would normally do. However, as per usual, we will start off with the game of reviews and market forces. Cool. So an interesting game week, that's for sure. Um, again, there was a who got the assist question uh, with Mr. Ollie Watkins. There was the first half Liverpool game, which is absolutely just bonkers. And uh, tonight, uh, Leicester have just about turned it out, unless you were a Vardy owner, of course. Uh, I think we start with Nick, don't we? Uh, how did your week go? 
Um, yeah, it was, it was pretty dreadful, to be honest. It's a shame I wasn't on the, the pod last week because that's the week that I did really well. I ended up with a sort of 40k overall rank um, and also used my triple captain um, that week, which nearly paid off. Obviously, unfortunately, K got injured, so it was only for the single game week that I ended up using it. But um, we're not here, unfortunately, to talk about my success of last week. And we're here to talk about the neg- <laughs> the rubbishness that I did this week. And I got um, 45 points in total. Um, so it was looking really bad, actually. I guess um, Ian actually, actually sorry, I got 42 points in total. So not many points at all. It was looking really bad um, in terms of actual points, but Ian actually picked up 12 points today. And I, and I just kind of went for a bit of a differential approach. And I, and I didn't have Mo Salah. Obviously, I kind of went without him. Um, so I was a bit worried when he scored, obviously, against Newcastle. But then by the end of the game, I was feeling a bit positive, thinking, actually, I've, I've escaped Salah, I've escaped Lingard as well in the West Ham game. Time for my differentials to to kick on and deliver. But, yeah, pretty much everyone blanked. Um, I had J- Jota blank, Trent blank, um, Veltman, of course, blanked as well. And then on the Sunday, Sunday was just an awful, awful day of football for me. Um, Sice <laughs> conceded four goals against Burnley, so it got me zero points. My captain, Bruno Fernandes, he he completely blanked, so that was nothing from him, really. Um, double, West, uh, double Aston Villa lost their clean sheet, so I got one point from Consa, two points from Martinez. I was just very lucky, really, to pick up Watkins... Um, assist which um is a bit of an online campaign to declare it not an assist i think it's an assist because he was head headering it towards the intended player who's running into the box keenan davis to slam it in. <laughs> you can uh, yeah translate that as i think it's an assist because i happen to own him <laughs> well, if anyone if anyone deserves a few points this week it's me and ollie watkins who's been robbed of so many fpl points over the course of the season he's been very very unlucky so he deserved those points let's be honest but yeah i didn't really get any others i think uh Pulisic also blanked but i got rudiger um picked up a clean sheet and a couple of bonus that was basically the highlight of my my game week and then uh Iheanacho scoring tonight but then he had a hundred percent effective ownership so basically meant nothing my overall rank at all probably went down slightly so yeah uh, we move on still lingering about that sort of 100k overall rank I just can't escape that area I've been stuck there for about 25, 25 game weeks just at that same rank basically no, fair enough. I I'm, I'm, think I'm definitely next. Um, 55 minus 8, um, uh, 47 points overall. And to be honest, like the whole game week disintegrated in the same way as Nick's did. Um, I captained Salah, though. Um, and that first half of football was the most painful half of football I've watched this year, uh, Liverpool versus Newcastle. My captain scored in the third minute. And I thought after that, hey, you know what? I'm going to get bare points here and what happened was a cacophony of epic points dodging by all of Liverpool front four it was just ridiculous like the oh it it defied explanation and it's very hard to articulate how annoying that was especially if you were a salary uh, owner or captain and you saw him running for on goal you saw him setting up things you saw Jota almost scoring saw Jota being set up you saw oh it, it was just happening constantly that entire first half their xg was like, 
I think it was 2.6 or something at the end of the game, and he scored one. And that kind of Newcastle goal just felt like it was going to happen. felt like it was the most predictable result in the world, basically. And I was kind of mentally prepared for that TAA clean sheet to go. Although, you know, the first time they got barred, I was like, oh, thank God. Second time it didn't get barred. Um, in the 96th minute, I was like, oh, okay, fine, fair enough, whatever. They deserved it, to be fair. But yeah, really, really annoying. It was one of those weeks where I had blanks basically everywhere in my team. So apart from Salah scoring a goal, everyone else blanked. Martinez, TAA, Veltman, Greenwood, Fernandez, Jota, Lingard and Bamford. Annoyingly, I left Rudiger on my bench with a clean sheet and two points because I played Veltman over him away Sheffield United. I do it every time. Um, so that left me with two players tonight. Uh, Ikenacho, owned by everybody, and uh, Castagna. Um, and Castagna, I need something from him to get a green arrow. And his goal uh, meant that I have got a green arrow. It's a tiny green arrow. It is so small that yeah, 0.87% move. I think they've got like a 2K rank rise at 230K. That is quite something. That's basically a grey arrow. Um, but yeah, I, I, I've taken the minus eight to kind of make it all work. In the end, I did Diaz to Castagne, uh, Son to Salah. And to finance it, I had to ask to Mitchell. Um, I just about got away with it all, basically. Um, and actually got 27 points out of it. Now Castagna and uh, Salah did that. So, yeah, a, a risky week. And I'm very, very lucky to have gotten away with a green arrow, I think. And Anthony, uh, riding high still. Okay, in the context of having the highest score of the three of us, I guess I'm obviously happy with 61. And I, I'm in a weird position here because I could frame this as a complete... Uh, situation of what might have been or I could say that this is a real kind of we march on great game week moment and the reason why is because I had two free transfers going into this week and one of those was to move on Gundogan and I knew that was going to be one of my moves unfortunately I wanted to bring in Mason Greenwood and I didn't have enough money to do it without doing a second transfer and so that having that second free transfer actually was you know meant it was easy enough for me to move Chris Wood to Keenan Davis and so Chris Wood who I'd brought in as a differential a few weeks ago because the underlying stats were quite good left my side and so it's very easy to be getting frustrated I guess that Wolves game was the one that I saw as his final game in my side when I'd looked at kind of the plan of bringing him in for three four game weeks and unfortunately I had to move him just that one week earlier because basically I didn't want to move out Diaz out of my team I didn't want to move both Gundogan and Diaz out of my side and uh, these things happen, I guess. So otherwise, to get to 61 points is quite good. And I guess to get a green arrow is uh, nice as well. So I'm up now from 31-ish K to 24.5 K, which is great. I'm delighted with that. Um, I had a bit in your hand off you offered it to me at the start of the season, and especially at Christmas when things weren't going so well. Where did the points come from? The Sala captaincy was the main reason, as well as Ihenacho, but neither of those really did a huge amount to my rank. So truly, somehow, Rudiger's eight points and Shaw's eight points, uh, along with a smattering of uh, ones, twos and threes, were pretty much enough to spur me on to what I got. And I'm actually surprised it was as much of a green arrow as it was, because... My side is really, really template at this point. It's actually less template apparently than it was last week after my transfers, but it is still extremely template. And so I'm I'm surprised that I've got as much of a gain as I have. I won't complain about that. Um, but we're well set, I guess. I, I'm almost afraid I'm going to blow it at this point because I'm quite content with how things are going. I want to bridge that gap to the top 10K, which is now 30 points. Um, only kind of, what, two months ago, it was around 100. So it's still possible if I continue to if I continue to erode the gap to the top 10k at the rate I have for the last 10 game weeks 
I would make it, but I don't have chips and I don't have anything else to kind of help me along there. So I kind of needed the miracle of Chris Wood to carry me through oh, and so really good. bridge that gap. You, you, must, know. you must have just been, uh, there are a few people I saw, um, like FPL brain, and I saw that Ben Crellin both like, oh, am I dreaming? Because they, they hadn't seen this yeah. for, for various reasons. And Chet's him like, has he really just scored a hat trick and got an assist? Like it's it's a huge haul, isn't it? Out of nowhere. It was it was wow. it was incredible. And like whilst we flagged Wolves as being a team that were on the beach multiple times in the last few weeks, I think we were also putting Burnley into that category at this point. So it kind of was one of those very hard uh, things to call where you just have two random bunches of lads who are playing beach volleyball and you don't know which one of them is going to come out on top. And in the end, Wolves were pretty much sunbathing. And so it was just easy for Chris Wood to just continue to dunk the ball over the net over and over again. And so it, it went the way it did. I, I can't get too annoyed about it, though. Um, it was kind of a 50-50 toss-up of who I would move out. And look, Wood was the one who made way. Greenwood came in. He had his chances. It was obviously the um, an unexpected nil-all draw yeah. that the game. But I look, we move on. At least I'm well set for the double game week with Greenwood if the double game week plays out and otherwise I'm well set with him otherwise. Yeah, I I, I really felt for you. I really did. Like as I said, as I was trying to say earlier, like it was a surprise that, that I know there are people who owned him and few people who can anticipate him as happening. Fair enough, fair play. But equally I you know, when you I think you said you were doing that and I you know, I don't think any of us could have quibbled with you about that happening. Like so Yeah. Like, yeah. it's one of those things that you're like, well, that makes complete sense. Because if you said, hang on a minute, Wood's about to score a hat trick and get an assist as well, bro. What are you doing? You're mad. You're an idiot. I think you'd have thought that I was yeah. touched by something. So, yeah, it's, it's just not. I, I think with Chris Wood. You can't, you can't do sleep over it, can you? I think, yeah, no, I can't. And I, I definitely didn't actually feel that bad about it. I'd have a much more sinking feeling about a captaincy fail, to be honest, than I would have about that Chris Wood loss. And as many people have pointed out as well on Twitter, uh, not necessarily to me, but they were just pointing it, posting it in a general sense. The amount that that cost me in terms of rank or points against everyone else was probably like one, one point something points. So the fact of the matter is that if Bruno even sneezed and got an assist, it would have hurt me an awful lot more than Chris Wood did uh, in terms of my rank. So I think it's just easier to just not get too annoyed about it and just move on. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I'm, I'm interested to see now after that huge bump, um, whether Chris Wood is in the market forces. I didn't see that he was in the top five, Nick, but it looks like he's just about getting there, isn't he? Uh, just to say this is market forces, of course. So we look at the movers and shakers after the game we've just gone. So yeah, it'd be very fascinating to see what's been happening. Yeah, I think Wood's um, just outside the top five. He's he's seventh at the moment, but he's got a sort of similar amount of transfers into uh, Ben Chilwell, who's number five. So I think a lot of people probably looking at that hat-trick thinking, yeah, that was, you know, an amazing uh, return for people who did own him. But are we all rushing to the shops now to buy Chris Wood? I mean... We, I don't. We're not, we're not. We're not necessarily convinced that there's going to be another hat trick and an assist next game week. So perhaps a little bit of pragmatism there from FPL managers, knowing that you know this this was an amazing haul, but is it going to happen again? We don't know. If he gets a brace next week, then 100 he's going to be top of the market forces the following week. But um, not not after just one hat trick. But um, yeah, I guess it's the familiar set of names really in terms of the most transferred in players. We've got Son. Um, a lot of people moved him out because of the blank and sort of boomeranging him back into their teams. Obviously, Spurs have uh, Sheffield United at home up next above the league. They've got sort of Leeds, Wolves, Aston Villa after that. So reasonable fixtures, even if um, Son isn't 
perhaps in the best of form. He was completely anonymous in the League Cup final, but less said about that game, the better. Um, so, yeah, he's the most transferred in player. But we've also got the likes of Dallas, second most transferred in player. Um, so he's attracting buyers, obviously, again, sort of leads. Lots of people sold the Leeds players because they had that tough fixture list of City, Liverpool and United. But Dallas came out on top, really. He got 24 points during that period. So like that's when I sold him, obviously. Um, and since then, he just did really, really well against the top clubs. And he, and I think um, Leeds have a pretty decent run at the end of the season as well, playing like of Brighton, Burnley, Southampton, West Brom in the last five. So could be more points for Dallas, who's the top-scoring defender right now in the game. Otherwise, Iheanacho... Um, obviously, great performance tonight. He's going to keep rising, might go to the top of the market forces by um, tomorrow. Kane being brought in like someone was also injured, so a few people sold him because of that. But obviously, this guy has been brilliant all season. And then Chilwell, he's the most, uh, he's fifth most transferred in player. It's a bit of an interesting one. Picked up an assist and a clean sheet. But looking at Chelsea's fixtures, I mean, they've got Real Madrid up next at midweek, then it's Fulham, then it's Real Madrid, then it's uh, Manchester City. You know, I think of all these, and it's Arsenal after that as well. And I think of all these games, you think Alonso's going to get that one against Fulham, surely. He's going to be playing the nice home match where they can go on the attack. And Chilwell's going to be playing all the other games, um, you know, the more critical games against the likes of Real Madrid, because he's a more defensive um, fullback. He's the better, he's the better player. So he's going to be used in those games and given... The night offer for them shortly. Um, I mean, I don't know what you maybe. guys think about that one. Maybe, maybe we'll see Alonso show up uh, for the first time. Although I guess that people who do hold Alonso no, plus this him, week yeah. are going to be like, yeah, you know what? Yeah, I'm sure you'll be blessed with Emerson appearing on the pitch. Um, but yeah, it, it looks like defenders are the key kind of uh, people being sold still. Um, lots of Stones owners, I guess, reacting to that uh, to that red card. Yeah, so Stone's still the most transferred out defender, or most transferred out player right now. 84,000 transfers out for him. Cresswell as well is injured. Um, second most transferred out player. Um, and then it's also got Fernandez and Jota, and both of those players um, in my team. Very disappointing this week in terms of their returns. Uh, Fernandez, he's, he's sort of in his worst run of form, really, since he joined Manchester United. Just not at the races at the moment, not even turning up with a random penalty in the 89th minute and picking up an 11-pointer, uh, which I was hoping for from him. But yeah, unfortunately, that captain call didn't quite go to plan and now a lot of people perhaps selling him looking to bring Son back in he's probably the full guy for a lot of people especially those of course who bought Salah in keeping Salah but getting rid of Fernandez now to, to bring Son back in oh, and I, I think with Jota is what's been really interesting is him I think there's loads of rage sales uh, this week because as I said earlier on that game was so difficult to watch and I can only imagine that after you know he scored against Wolves in game 28, game week 30 versus Arsenal got a brace and since then it's just been downhill and we'll talk about this in one of the correspondence questions in just a bit. Um, but there's definitely something to be said for like the quote-unquote less engaged slash casual mindset here. All right, let's uh, go into the main part of this week. And as Anthony said earlier on, it is something different today in a bit of a correspondence-led pod. What we've done is we've picked out three of the many, many emails we have. I'm not just saying that. We do actually have loads. I've been surprised and uh, a bit shocked by... They're the same thing, but I've been overwhelmed by how well this uh, 
little section we thought we'd give a little go has gone it's been the james justin of the pod this year i think it's you know we, we thought yeah well, you know we'll give you a go mate and he's returned dividends it really has um but we picked out three here which are of interest generally uh, plus a bonus fourth um i'm i'll keep drinking beer and by the time we get to the fourth um i'll, I'll do it and you guys will get to have a little bit of a laugh um towards the end of the session um but i'm gonna hand over to anthony here and um, to speak about the correspondence and to introduce the first of the three main kind of talky ones we're going to be doing today. Thank you very much, Tom. Yeah, I think it feels like we've turned a bit of a corner with the correspondence section that we're really kind of letting it lead us on through the whole entire pod with this particular one. Um, Of course, correspondence section has been kind of here for most pods all this season with people emailing who who got the assist at gmail.com, all one word, with their thoughts, comments and questions, etc., but uh, we haven't quite been able to leave it lead a pod just like this. So it's good to give it that opportunity. And I guess we'll kick on straight into it with Ramey Lone, um, who had a question on captains. Hey, guys, thanks for all your fantastic work. You're definitely my favorite podcast on the build up to a new game week. Uh, oh, thank you very much. Anyway, Ramey has a question about um, surrounding following the herd each week when it comes to captaincy. So if we look at the most popular captaincy pick each week, how many points would that give you if you picked them, them each game week since game week one? And is this better than worse than average? How does it compare to the other popular strategies like always captaining premium asset who plays at home, for example? Uh, Ramey's opinion is that the most popular captaincy pick each week nearly always blanks, uh, which is a very subjective opinion, I think. Um, but he feels that it's getting to the point where he's inclined to pick a different captain purely because of this, which, of course, isn't logical as he notes himself. So he asks us to prove him wrong and pull him out of his nonsensical logic that plagues him every week. Thanks very much, Ramey. So, yeah, an interesting one, this. I think. We at the start of every year we say captain the obvious pick. There's nothing wrong with captain obvious. And I think it's especially true. I know that you can get a bit disappointed about captains during the year, and maybe that's kind of what's kind of uh, precipitated this question from Ramey. But uh, Chris Tan um, over at Fans Football Hub, um, he does the captain article there every week, and brilliantly what he does is he also documents the poll leader and how they do um, over the course of the season so up to game week 32 so last game week um the uh fans that will have poll each week um score had if, if that was the kind of the captain total would have scored 474 points so that's a success rate of 71.9 percent um of the game weeks being uh, a, a return um and yeah that that's pretty damn good i don't think you can really sniff a 60 72% success rate uh, for captaincies. Um so I looked at my own for example using premier uh, fancy premier tools and mine's just 59%. So where um the poll so the popular pick as Ramey put it um would have scored 474 points. Yeah, I had scored 414 so I've been done by 60 points. And um, there's a few poor decisions in there so things like you know captain Vardy away most Liverpool, that sort of thing hasn't been in mind doing a little bit. Um, but I, I guess that kind of just goes to show that a lot of the time, the obvious pick, which a lot of the time the poll captain is, um, is the obvious pick for a reason, because they're going to do pretty well for you. I think that that's kind of clear. Um, but I think what's really interesting, actually, is looking at both of your captaincy outcomes this season. Do either of you want to either nominate yourself or nominate the other as being the better captaincy picker? Who's better? Nick, who do you think the new Anthony is better? 
Well, I know that I've actually matched the uh, the obvious captain pick for this season. So on Premier Fantasy Tools, I've got 474 points as well. So seem to be trending along with the, the mainstream pick. And, you're um, better or worse than Anthony then? Oh, I don't know. Anthony's had some great weeks right recently and he's uh, he's really right, risen up the ranks. So I'll, I'll say that he's better. So this is really fascinating. Actually, Anthony, you're better than Anthony in terms of overall points, right? But... Anthony is better in terms of success rate. So you've scored more points per week that you've had success in terms of volume, but Anthony's been more consistent throughout the course of the season, uh, which is, yeah, really, really interesting. So your average um, captaincy rate is 14.4 points per game week, and Anthony's is 15.8. Nick, you're equal to the popular captain poll, and Anthony will just blow it. Um, so a few things like, you know, captaining DCL with me or captaining Antonio with me. Oh, God, the common denominator is clear because I've only got 14, 414 points. I'm way below you guys. Um, maybe, yeah, it, it, it's really fascinating how that's kind of worked out. But you've had more successes, Anthony, but Nick's kind of, the times he succeeded, he's succeeded bigger. Um, yeah. Uh, what do you guys both think about this? Uh, Nick, what do you reckon to uh, both Ramey's question about the obvious captain being obvious and just your kind of general captaincies throughout the season? Yeah, so, I mean, I've always been quite a proponent of the obvious captain being obvious, and it's something that I've generally stuck to over the course of the season with the occasional moment where I have gone for a a differential. And I I have found, actually, when I have gone for the differentials, more often than not, it hasn't worked out for me. So I'm better off sticking sticking to my guns and and picking the obvious pick as much as it's boring, potentially. It's just kind of what I... um, kind of what works so if even for the last five game weeks for instance that three out of those five game weeks I, I went for Harry Kane I just Captain Kane he's the obvious pick of probably Captain Kane again this week and I got decent returns from him the two weeks that I went for the alternative pick one where I picked um, Goodman as my captain got me one times two it's pretty, pretty damn dreadful this week I didn't go for the obvious pick because I didn't own him but I didn't go for Salah I thought I'll go for Fernandez see how it works out that didn't work out either so I mean, I'm I'm still obviously a fan of just going with the obvious pick. He's the one who's more likely to get you the points. I think over the course of the season, generally, it's um, it's either been Harry Kane, Bruno Fernandez, or, or Mo Salah that leads the poll. You get my occasional Leicester player randomly, but um, typically it's one of those three, isn't it? That's sort of the poll leader, and um, and those three are all the one, all the players at the top of the game right now with nearly 200 points. I think two of them are above 200 points in Salah's on 199 right now. So those are the guys that over the course of the season have been collecting all the points. Those are the guys that you, you're going to want to captain. And you know, you see on occasion someone online just say, "Oh, I picked this random player and he got it. He got." me you know 15 times two and i did excellently and then you know that tweet might have 500 plus likes or something and it makes it look like going for those alternative picks is like the answer we shouldn't <laughs> be going for the obvious picks but you know you, you don't see the tweets of the 25 or 250 other people that picked Aspen equator for that week and, and got two times two. <laughs> oh, exactly uh, the tallest poppy always gets cut down right uh, anthony what about you Yes, I find this quite interesting actually to really dig into. So as you guys know, the, the poll leader would have about 237 points in their captains and allowing taking out triple captains and removing just this game week because we're one week ahead with the data, I'm three points below, so 234. But I like my captains are so, so different to the poll leader all nearly all the way through the season. 
And um, I still find myself just below what the poll was, which I guess kind of tells you that, you know, me trying to maybe outwit the polls is just <laughs> just pointless. Like, really, it would have just been easier to be with the poll leader and just take the safer option. But as you do say, Tom, like my hit rate is hilariously off, like 54.5% would be my hit rate, whereas your poll leader would be more consistently, steadily 71.9% hit rates. So... Uh, I think what this shows you is that I think the easiest thing to do is to just go with the poll leader. Um, and I think what Ramey kind of discusses about feeling that the, 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 that the poll leader hurts him is just this idea. And Tom, you'll go in, you could talk about the behavioral side of this a lot more, but it's just that idea that losses do loom larger than gains. And I think we do remember the things going wrong rather than the things that go right. Like I'm looking at my captains here and I, I have no idea what happened in game week 19 that got De Bruyne 16 points for me. I, I just don't know what it was anymore, but I certainly remember the Fernandez blanks, the Calvert-Lew and blanks, the Salah blanks, the Alonso or the Antonio blanks, both of them. So, you know, like those captaincy fails certainly loom very largely in my mind. So I think overall, Ramey, like there is multiple different routes that you can take towards your captaincy. The poll leader one is undoubtedly the safe option and isn't bad at all. And actually what you find is that of the different things that Chris Tan's been analyzing, of the different strategies that he's been following throughout the season, the poll leader does actually tend to be the most successful strategy for just to break it out, or it was at least this season, which I think is quite interesting in and of itself. And so overall, I think... I think next season I just need to kind of cop on and just not go off on solo runs with my captaincy picks and just kind of enjoy picking up the differentials or you know sorting out my squad better instead. It would be probably a far better way to uh, use my mind. I always say this every year, though, don't we? Oh, yeah, do obvious captaincy picks, which is basically aligned to the poll leader. And for whatever reason, I know Nick is kind of dead on to it. But for whatever reason, we don't always seem to do it. And, you know, I'll... I'll Know, maybe veer off the path and I'll try to do something a bit more maverick and no doubt in my case get absolutely smashed for it but I think it is still the single most important decision week to week in uh, in FPL isn't it the captain which I guess is why people's kind of thinking gets a bit vexed about it as you mentioned you know behavioral science wise looking at something called availability so the idea that you can recall certain memories lots easier than others because they're salient you know they're a lot more sort of impactful so when you think about if a player could potentially be on a scoring streak you're basically comparing it to something like, you know, like Vardy on that ridiculous streak where for Leicester had been the title winning season or back in the day when RVP was just on that ridiculous run in FPL really kind of streaks don't exist as Simon March said when he was on the pod earlier on this season and um it's it's always one of those things where you kind of you can over worry and kind of create something in your mind which isn't actually true when you look at the data which is what we've done here i think one other thing that just sticks out to me in my own data and i think this is something that maybe a lot of managers would be able to relate to is that sometimes your losses compound and force you to do things that you wouldn't necessarily want to do otherwise. And so I noticed that there was early in the season when I was trying to figure out, you know, how teams were and sort out my squad. I like, so basically between game weeks three and seven, I had four blanks and one hit, which was just kind of, that's a pretty substantial fraction of our 33 game week season so far. And similarly, then I had four in a row in January when I had some sort of new year, new me type of trend uh, that just went totally wrong. And, kind of just saw me plummet in the rankings actually and it was only when I kind of got a grip of myself that my scores and my rank actually started to really steady up as things went on but an interesting question anyway and I think really what we're getting at is something that Sean McCall talks about where he gets classic and discusses Pyrrhic victories so he emails in hi Tom Nick and Anthony in no particular order hope you're all well 
thought it'd be nice to find a way, uh, any way possible to avoid grading papers and write in once more to this thinking man's pod. He quickly nabbed two definitions off wiki to introduce this correspondence. So first of all, he discusses a Pyrrhic victory, and that's a victory that inflicts such a devastating toll on the victor that it is tantamount to defeat. A Pyrrhic victory takes a heavy toll that negates any true sense of achievement or damages long-term progress. Uh, that comes from a quote from Pyrrhus of Epirus, if you really want to get into the classics of it. But Sean points out that taking hits is to get big scores is a classic way to earn Pyrrhic victories in FPL. He also introduces a less popular, lesser known definition called the uh, Irenic victory. That's the type of victory where there's reconciliation so that the loser, if there is one, benefits as much as or almost as much as if there was no loss at all. And what he's trying to get at with these questions is, at what point can we start turning our Pyrrhic victories into overall victories for ourselves? So he discussed a little bit for, further that off the back of a minus eight, uh, he wasn't in panic mode because he's trying to think long-term and kind of seeing how that minus eight can be kind of diluted over you know, a six-game week window. Mm. And so really where he gets at with this question is, what factors need to truly go into our thinking when analyzing in detail the long-term benefits of a hit? Yes, there are fixture swings. Yes, there's form. There's everything more splendid on paper like that. And injuries and rotations come into things. But he's just asking us, what can we take into account to make more accurate decisions? Over to you. Come on, you Irenix. All the best. Sean McCall, Captain Hindsight. God, what a WTA question this is comparing Firic and Irenic victories. And um, yeah, so... How, how, we, how do we contextualize this? So a Pyrrhic victory is basically, I won the war, but all my army has been killed. That's, I guess, in FPL terms, the same as saying, I took a minus eight and it washed its face. So, you know, I, I feel like I've kind of won because I haven't gotten anywhere because I haven't made a loss. But I also kind of haven't really won because I've, you know, I've wiped out my advantage. An ironic victory... That's basically, I won the battle, but my opponent's a better place to win the war, I think it is. So it's maybe slightly different from what Sean thinks it is, sorry. But this is basically when you make changes week to week in your FPL team, um, if we're kind of linking it to the FPL context, sorry, my mind's working quite quickly here, and you're incurring hits to try to win the tactical battle on a weekly basis. So week to week, you try to make your team work. But over time, your team value and points through taking those tactics are so depleted by taking hits that your opponent wins Anyway, so you know the opponent doesn't chop and change. They keep the same players. They keep faith and you know your Salas or your their Brunos, whereas you're changing these players in and out. And basically, anyway, these are two qualified victories. Except one is more qualified than the other. Um, I'm more a fan of ironic victories and the moral high ground. So um, yeah, uh, but I think the, a, a Pyrrhic victory is probably a little bit better um, because you're winning rather than assisting your opponents to win. Anyway, the power of hits, I think, is where we where this is going to um and i think for the time we've been w doing wta we've always um differentiated between, between nick call between what nick calls enforced and elective hits i think enforced you know, injuries and suspensions blanks means you've got to get rid of that player and elective hits are you know, when you take a gamble um do you get rid of the player who's playing to try to kind of do something a little bit better and i looked into our hits this year as well um as a way of doing it so far and uh, nick is the conservative leader with a small c he's not boris uh with 40 points anthony just after him with 44 points and me 80 points worth of hits so double nick and just like just under double anthony which is absolutely ridiculous um but anyway um hits i guess exist to help 
accelerate your transfer plans as you know and my rule of thumb um to answer sean's point on you know what uh, constitutes a good hit is that you need your incoming player to score seven points to make up your hit you know this by now of course but if it's if it's if it's like an elected one not an enforced one if it's an elective one it's a minus two etc etc and you're hoping the player you've replaced only gets appearance points that's two plus the hit on top that's six so it means you've got to get seven from your from your incomer to get profit we really shouldn't take it should we elective ones at least because yeah it's not good but i did look at my um my hit total we looked at it back in game week 26 i think it was anthony um and uh back then i had 80 points from the in terms of profit and loss so total points sold total points bought i'm now over 100 after castania today so despite the fact that i've taken 80 points worth of hits if you take away my points sold versus points bought i'm in profit so yay shame about my overall rank eh uh, what do you guys reckon on hits? Nick, starting with you as the uh, the small C conservative of the group, just um, the well, the cautious investor, I suppose. Uh, you've always, you've always been quite wary of taking hits, haven't you? You've been happy to go into a game with ten men rather than taking uh, an additional minus four. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't say necessarily going in with ten men as opposed to eleven men just for the minus four. That's almost like a minus two, almost, isn't it? But um, yeah, yeah. I have um, been the more cautious investor, as we, we referred to it in, on our other pod. Um, I just want to say, yeah, it was a great question there from Sean. And yeah, I love the uh, analogies. And yeah, nice to get a bit of a history lesson as well. Learn something on the podcast, which is always interesting. When he was writing in about the uh, Pyrrhus of Epirus and the triumphs against the Romans in the Battle of Asculum. It's, uh, stuff we don't normally get to cover on the pod. So that's, uh, that's really interesting. Uh, but I think just generally about Pyrrhic victories kind of reminds me of a little bit of that Wario meme that um, you see every so often on Twitter, which states that I've won <laughs> at what cost. Um, and, uh, you know, just kind of going back, I guess, to the analogies of this particular game week, you know, Tom Tom took some risks. Um, so you took the minus eight. I only, I didn't take a hit at all. I, I survived with 11 men and, Luckily, they all played, but you you kind of on paper, it looks like you did much, much better than me. You, you outscored my team for, from 13 points, so you won you won the victory. But that minus eight took quite a dent in terms of your overall points, and it was just saved by that Castagna goal, ultimately. If it wasn't for Castagna's goal, I would have outscored you this particular game week. So it's, it's very, very much in terms of, as you said, Tom, you really have to kind of think about the players you're bringing in and the players that are leaving as well. And if it's not an enforced transfer, if it's elective, you really need to be confident enough that those players are actually going to outscore those players by four points at least, which is, you know, basically confident enough, so, so strongly confident that that player is going to return, but also the player you're selling is not going to return. And I, I look often at my team and I say, yeah, I just can't see, I just, I'm just not confident enough in, in, in that. And so looking at the last hit, for instance, last time I felt that confidence in my players that I was bringing in, the players are selling to take a hit was a couple of game weeks ago, to be fair, but it was for Bale um, was leaving my team and, and Jota was coming in and Dallas was leaving my team and Trent Alexander-Arnold was coming in. And yeah, even bloody Bale's managed to outscore Jota over those two game weeks because at the time, Bale wasn't even playing and, and Dallas had three really, really tough fixtures. So it kind of made sense at that point to get Trent in and Trent's done okay. But Dallas has absolutely smashed it in those three fixtures and, and Bale's managed to get nine points compared to Jota's three. So it's not really um it's not really worked out in terms of my recent transfers. But yeah, I guess I guess sort of talking about 
the Pyrrhic victories and the Irenic victories. Uh, for me, I think it's all about trying to play the long game to a certain extent, thinking about five moves ahead. So if you're going to take that minus eight, what does it get you in the long run? If it's a circumstance, for instance, this week, where I'll be like thinking about selling Son or Kane for the mine, you know, on a hit essentially to try and enhance my team for this week to get Salah in. I just wasn't overly infused by that idea just because I knew that I'd want Son and Kane straight back in for Sheffield United. So I might be taking another hit the following week. So it's almost like a minus eight just from the minus four, just because of, um, you know, the whole kind of boomerang. Yeah, you don't, 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 game, so. you don't want to be setting up yourself yeah. for booking another move, do you? There's something quite mm-hmm. an yeah, so I just So I just wasn't, you know, everyone online, a lot of you guys were all looking at the minus fours, minus eights. So I just decided not to, to go for it, but... Could have worked out, just my players were just particularly rubbish this week. Yeah, to be honest, actually, Nick, the, that kind of idea of trying to avoid booking in further hits because of taking a hit was nearly something that actually filled into the reason why I ended up selling Chris Wood because it was just with the way the blanks and stuff were going to work out. I thought it was better for my team structure to have the forward move done now because I know there's a defensive move to come in two or three game weeks' time and just the way it worked, um, it would have worked with blanks. I reckon it would have ended up with another hit if I didn't do it the way I did. Um, actually, Tom, I have good news. I'm actually the small conservative of the pod. I, I checked because you said 44 points. And I was like, that's huge. And I have only 28 lost what? seven hits. Yeah. I oh, don't know where. That's weird. That's weird. That, that was on the um, on one of the plugins that I used to do the, <laughs> to do the league updates. So that's true. It means that basically the whole thing has gone wrong. Um, when Nix was Nix was right because I actually went to check that I was like was yeah, right. I, I knew Nix was an awful lot more um, you had Nix number right but mine was uh, wrong I, I went through mine like, oh yeah no you are a raving Tory sorry I had um, someone else um, <laughs> uh, as you fair enough nope okay as the resident Tory please get into please tell us what, what, you, what you think here's here's my treaties on low tax rates uh, no so seven hits in total um, which is grand and I think what's more you kind of start to see where those hits actually came from. Uh, six of the seven of them actually were associated with blanks and double game weeks, which are, where, are places where I definitely felt like I could dilute the impact of the hit either to get a player into my team and you know get those at least the appearance points and hopefully something more, or would get double game week points versus a single game week player, for example. So there's just a better chance of just avoiding um, the pain, I guess, even in the one game week um, of the hit itself. And so I think that's definitely how you can uh, certainly dilute your, the damage of your hits individually. Otherwise, I think, though, to answer Sean's question more directly, you do unfortunately have to try and work out between fixtures and forms and rotation issues and questions of other competitions and whether players will play and always having the risk of injuries and this year COVID hanging in the background, meaning that there is always a bit of luck in getting your hits right. And of course, the fact of the matter is, is that I'm sure if you were to run some sort of IBM computer on this, or just to be honest, a basic Excel program, I'm sure you'd find that the most profitable, or the most successful possible way to have run an FPL team this season would have been to take quite an awful lot of hits to structure a side that, you know, weaved and ebbed and flowed all the times to get yourself sorted out to uh, probably end up with a rank or with points well ahead of rank number one. But that's just not possible, unfortunately. It's easy to say, you know, to go Captain Hindsight as you uh, go by on Twitter, which is a great name, and look back and kind of really get annoyed with ourselves for our hits or to think hits were a poor idea in hindsight. But I think it really, it's an individual manager's decision based on all of the very, very subjective things that are in front of them and how they go by it. I think really, to answer your question, the only way to really dilute them easily and kind of 
with some level of certainty is because if you have players that are coming in for blanks that wouldn't otherwise have players playing or for doubles where you can just dilute the points that way. Uh, but yeah, so anyway, thanks, Sean, for that question. And we'll move on to the next one, which comes from FPL Dempsey. And he's asking us about alternative game modes. So, morning all, at Dempsey FPL on Twitter here. He's a regular fr- listener and friend of the pod. He's asking us basically, how does playing any other fantasy football formats affect our thought processes when it comes to FPL decision-making? Can it make it better? Can it make us worse? For context, uh, Dempsey tells us that he's playing Sky Fantasy Football, Championship Manager, Elite Serien, and a few NFL champ- uh, fantasy games as well, which are all very different and fun in their own ways. Regards, Demps. Do you guys play anything else other than FPL? No, so I'm 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 by far and away the most useless on this. I avoid <laughs> all other fantasy games at all costs. You everything, no. yeah. And, and I, I I remember I consciously objected to playing fantasy Bundesliga you during did. lockdown last year. I was like, there was the guys in the Slack were all getting ready to get Timo Werner in and some random lad who plays for Schalke at centre back. I was like, I just could not be arsed. So no, I, I haven't actually. I, I don't play any of the rest. And the only exception okay. for me is major tournament fantasy football. Okay, so um, you're, playing the Euro, you're playing the Euros, maybe. I'll play Euros. I enjoyed the World Cup one last time out as well. Okay, um, I just cool. feel like they provide interesting strategy ways and just they're an interesting way to look at other players. But otherwise, no, no, no good answers. We'll, we'll make a Slack channel for that. Um, uh, Nick, do you, you used to obviously play football in XRIP. Can we go there too soon? Um, but do you, do you do anything else other than that? No. Um, yeah, I, I did a bit of fan team actually earlier on in the season, but I can't even, I actually gave up halfway through the season just because I, I ran out of time um, to check, continually check it, even though I think I was actually in the money at the time when I stopped playing. Uh, but I, yeah, I, I did get involved in the FPL, Fair Fancy Bundesliga last season. Yeah. And I generally, I think I found it like a bit of a refreshing experience, to be honest. Um, just allowing me to increase my knowledge of European football, which is always interesting, follow a different league, follow different players. But I guess in terms of adding benefits to my FPO decision-making, it wasn't in that particular case because I meant I jumped on the Werner wagon in the season, which proved a bit of a disaster. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely be involved in Euro Fantasy this summer because that's always quite fun. It's been a nice change of scenery, isn't it? But yeah. Um, I don't know. I think I feel like my focus is always on FPL and any other game. I got involved with the Sky the other year, and it just it feels like it pulls your focuses, your energies away, and it which should be on FPL, and it's it's to your can can be to your detriment to a certain extent. But um, I mean, you might you might find that you, on these other formats, you, you're more of a risk taker because you don't necessarily care as much about what happens with your overall rank. If FPL is your bread and butter, some of these other formats, you might be like, actually, I could shoot, you know, take more risks, take more gambles. And if it pays off, then you might learn something about yourself and think, actually, I, I, I naturally am more of a high risk um, player and can t- and take those gambles into FPL, perhaps. Uh, you're absolutely right, Nick. It's bandwidth isn't it? Like I, I don't really have the time or mental space to play a lot of these games, but I do play a little, a couple more than you guys do. So I do play Sky very badly. I'm on top. I think I'm in the top 2K or whatever. And I also play Fancy Champman uh, also very badly. I'm in top 500 there, which doesn't mean actually very much. <clears throat> and uh, to be honest, I don't give either a lot of thought, which probably shows in how I'm doing. Meh. I also play Fancy Bundesliga in the restart, which actually went pretty well. Um, but I guess 
the reason why this was actually quite an interesting question for me was because this gives us an insight into how casual managers play. And I think from how I was playing these games or how I do play these games, it gives you an appreciation of how deep down the rabbit hole we are as well uh, by reflection. So, you know, in terms of you know, Champman and Sky, I mean, Sky is a little bit easier because I kind of know the schedule, so I kind of know what I'm doing there. Champman, no idea. Um, so if I'm looking at who I'm captioning, who I'm bringing in, it's really thought-provoking, and it helps me kind of reflexively as well understand how less engaged managers play FPL um, because it contextualizes things like market forces. We see all those great things, you know, year on year, Nick. Um, you know, things like you know the annual Yannick Vestergaard price balloon, things like you know Stephen Ward at Burnley. Yeah, Nick's nodding; he loves this. And also, you know, Joe Allen at Stoke uh, rising 0.7 million in the space of four game weeks. Talk about Chris Wood earlier as well. People do, I think, if you're less engaged, copy my behaviour, or I copy their behaviour, or it's just kind of a natural sort of fantasy player behavior um, if you're in the situation so you know if i was playing chapman for example you know i go on on thursday because the, the games are on thursday i'll look at things like you know who's scoring the most points you know i'll look at if i can who looks like on the group chat is it's being brought in by others i'll check the fixtures if i'm not familiar with the calendar and i'll buy the player who looks the best fit for the budget that i've got in the situation that i want to kind of solve obviously there's excellent content for both championship manager and sky out there etc etc but i don't have the time uh, to deepen my involvement in these things and i don't seek out that it's for info so that's how that's what I do. So it's really interesting to see kind of how I act in the situation. That kind of means that I can empathize a bit more in terms of how less engaged managers think and act. Um, and that allows me to contextualize, as we said, you know, behaviors in terms of, you know, the, the the moves that were made. And also links us back nicely. And Avenue, remember this to the Stephen Hall question a couple of weeks ago about how FPL points were king. Like maybe this gives us a bit of an insight, as I said back then, on how, you know, our reliance on football stats in this pod versus FPL ones, which we do try to integrate, can be a little bit detrimental to everything. Like I certainly was a better I certainly was a better player when I wasn't this deep in the mud. Like, I certainly was a better player when I wasn't thinking about it too much. Um, maybe it is the fact that FPL points or you know not engagement can be a blessing and a curse in lots of ways. Um, so maybe it's kind of it touched on that argument a little bit. Yeah, it's a kind of compelling question. Like, I guess yes, I, I do think there is a skill to the playing of fantasy sports games full stop, you know, in understanding how points accumulate and, you know, what is kind of normal and the, the ebbs and flows of the game and seasons within it. So from that perspective, I can see how playing other games would help and also how maybe having a kind of a more passing interest in those games might help you to just kind of distill and cut the crap and just know what's important without having to overthink it. At the same time, I do think to do particularly well in a game like FPL, which has such a long time and horizon, which has other consequence of, you know, having so many game weeks and having so many transfers involved and chips and captaincy. There being so many variables, and we discussed that a few weeks ago, as we said, it, it means that I think getting deep into the mud of the stats, which I guess is what we all do, and prevailing and finding a way through said mud is the way to do the, you know, the best possible way. But at the same time, I do think it does show that when we've all shown this at various times in the last few seasons, that getting caught in that mud isn't necessarily an escapable process. And so 
I'm inclined to kind of think that yes, okay, that's almost like how I answered Stephen Hall's question a few weeks ago, where it's like, okay, yeah, FPL points are the important metric, but at the same time, to do really well, you have to look beyond those, and in this sense, you have to chart your way through them up that little bit further. Do you agree with that? But maybe it's about being able to filter out the crap. I think I've not been very good at that over the time that we've been here doing this. So, you know, I've, I'm obviously on Twitter a lot and I read everything and I, I don't engage much as I used to. I tend, more, spend, tend to spend more time memeing it now than actually being engaged as I was before. Um, but I certainly still, you know, try to listen to other podcasts, try to read like articles on you know, all sorts of providers. And maybe th- there's a, a, a few different typologies of individuals Um I mean, there's obviously, I think the people who do kind of win it or at least get up to the upper echelons on one season whilst having kind of a mediocre at best, I don't know, who am I talking about this, but a mediocre at best kind of season history, uh, they do get a bit lucky. People are able to kind of knock it out year after year, I think, are a certain type of person who are very, very good at blocking out the noise, that's for sure. Um, and I think there's definitely something in what you say about being able to be in the mud whilst not drowning in the mud <laughs> and i'm uh, definitely one of these people who is drowning uh, a little bit or has been drowning uh, previously and um, so yeah i'd be interested to see what we can do next season about that anthony um and nick if uh, if you can help me please help me please help me um speaking of which uh, as a final question this week uh, the bonus question it's uh, from fpl sis i believe yeah absolutely and i think we've discussed how the correspondent section is a very versatile uh, segment in this podcast and I think over the course of the last of the season thus far our listeners have been able to enjoy that and we've heard poetry we've had all sorts of interesting questions we've had a bit of a history lesson from Sean today there's an awful lot can come through this and I think FPL Sizz's late uh, email which actually came in January it's been sitting there for an awful (laughs) long time yeah we answered his question at the time which is about triple captaincies Um, but he also at the time uh, gave us a very kind of personal insight into his own uh, stories with triple captaincies with uh, Sane and Mane in the past uh, and giving us that personal story he actually sent us a song uh, which has multiple verses and the song is entitled Three Become One and uh, our very own uh, guest perfor- we have a guest performer tonight his name is Tom you've, you've heard him on this pod a few times before take it away I, I guess Anthony you don't get the reference here no I don't no I'm you don't so this, this is Two Become One by the Spice Girls Oh, oh, sorry, sorry, yeah, guys. Did you not know the Spice Girls? No, yeah, I'm sure he does. Too young for it. Well, like I, I, I know, I know who they are. One's, uh, one is obviously married to David Beckham. Another is married to Christian Horner, the Red Bull team manager. No, I wouldn't actually know. <laughs> they're just artists they're artists from a time before you know it's yeah. like there's there's a certain vintage of artists uh, that i do enjoy from like the 80s and so, 70s so, and stuff yeah, but they're yeah, just look, in that zone where i just don't understand so looking at this i got the song in my head immediately whereas looking at this it was like these are just words to me yeah no i, I was looking i was looking at it and i was like tom you, like i we obviously had this in our uh, you know guide for this pod where the words are written there and i was looking at it, and i was like how does tom know what the tune is to this? i oh won't ask but i was just looking at it, like i don't know how he's going to do like, a song not knowing the tune oh my God. <laughs> but, casuals and spurs are better this season has not been a pleasure save us we'll save it save us we'll save it 
first it was the Joker Sane, then up next it came to Mane. They kept on blanking, they kept on blanking. See the triple point on Bam, baby. Put it on, put it on. Just this week is the week when free become one. I need some points like I never needed points before. Want to score more points, yeah, baby. I have two blanks, now I don't want more. Want to score more points, yeah, baby. Set Mo Salah free. He's the triple captain C. There you go. Thanks. That's something that you weren't as bad as I thought you were going to be, actually. Yeah, beautiful. So, yeah. yeah, I enjoyed it about as much as when I actually triple captain Mo Salah and got five <laughs> multiplied by three. Maybe that's. Um, we'll get you singing some Westlife uh, next year, Anthony. Oh, God, no, that would, we'd have no <laughs> listeners left. <laughs> like, if the correspondence section didn't drive them over the edge already, if me singing Westlife certainly would. <laughs> Please write in and get him to do some it's West like, Life. Flying without wings version, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> flying oh God. without wings. <laughs> anyway, I think that's a good time to wrap up this section, Anthony. Uh, do, you want yes. to, do you want to give a final correspondence shout out before we go to the mini league update and the questions? Yeah. Th- so thanks very much to the, the lads for emailing in today at whogottheassist.gmail.com. Those emails, some of those have been sitting there for quite a long time. So thanks for your patience. Uh, waiting for those to actually come to air but I hope you enjoy them actually being answered slash sang um, correspondence if you want to get it in and be like the gang who have sent those in it can be emails, questions, songs, poetry uh, recordings of you saying your own poetry as Gavin Doyle showed us earlier in the season we'll, we'll put it all in Who got the assist at gmail.com and that's all one word cool. alright let's take a break there guys um, I'm going to go and rest my vocal cords after that impresario performance and we'll be back to do the mini league update and the questions just after this who got the assist who got the assist so we're back and it's time to catch up with who got the assist mini league um, as I said before the code is CPSULF if you want to come in and join and knock the person off the top spot I'd be a bit mean at this point but you're still welcome to join the league if you want um I'm just going to do a quick roundup. Actually, I'm going to start at six because we've got someone who's risen, um, someone who's had a few rough weeks, uh, dropped down to 19th overall um, rank in the league, but he's risen back up to sixth in the league. That's uh, Sean McCall, who, who uh, gave us some correspondence as well this week. So he's um, had a nice rise after a few dodgy weeks, back up to sixth, had a great season, but yeah, a few dodgy weeks, but he's got 63 points this week. So yeah, great week for him there. Um, in fifth, it's Abdul Huzan. He got 70, 70 points this week. So another person new to the top five, great week for him as well. A few new names up there actually at the moment. So in fourth, it's Ryan Hobb. Uh, fourth, it's uh, Max Fideli. Got 61 points, a decent week as well. In third, um, dropping down, but still, I think, a reasonable score is Ryan Hobbs with Hobbsy's Heroes. He got 58, um, as did Victor Sandberg. He also got 58, but number one in the league. Great week for him, um, rising 11 places. So really competitive, actually, in the league right now. Um, is Graham Sessoms, um, HK10, uh, Golden Boots. He got 75 points this week. Um, Captained Ian Acho, so that was... You know, really decent return for him uh, tonight. He also obviously had Chris Woods, so picked up all of those uh, points for, 
for Chris Wood and, and Chilwell in defence. Really interesting differential pick there. Got him 12 points. So 75 points, great score for, for Graham this week. So uh, well done. Oh, God, that's, that's really, really good. I just wish I... Obviously, I captain Salah and it was all about bringing him in and obviously the expected data was all there for Salah. But, you know, in the cold light of hindsight, I wish I captained Nicky and Acho and just got away with it. But yeah, no, amazing work for all the guys there. Like, really, really good. Uh, not jealous at all. Let's move on to the questions this week. So not like the correspondence, they're questions that come in um, over Twitter and we answer in a short, uh, quickfire format. The first thing, I kind of grouped a few questions together here, is doubles desires. So the first thing is Praz FPL, uh, Pras FPL who asks, uh, if we forget about longer-term planning or the 36 blank, um, which team could we target for the 35 double? As for context, Ben Credin has said there's a 70% chance that uh, game week 35 turns into double game week for a few teams. Uh, those teams are Aston Villa, Crystal Palace, Everton, Southampton, Arsenal, Chelsea, Leicester, Man United. And of those, Arsenal, Chelsea, Leicester, Man United all blank in game week 36. So 36 becomes a bit of a blank too. And Ben reckons there's a, a, a more than likely chance of that happening. Head over to the Twitter page, of course, for more information on that. Um, and uh, there's a couple of kind of uh, strategic questions that kind of grow from that as well. So Karim Tizer um, asks if team specificism aside, double game week 35 or 36, um, uh, blank game week 36 is the optimal time to free hit. And FPL Fairy Steve asks if double game week 35 is the last chance if you've still got your bench boost chip intact. Wow. Um, so quite a cacophony of questions there and um, quite a collection of questions there. Um, I guess let's take them all together if we can. Uh, Nick, what do you reckon here? Um, uh, strategically, what would you be advising people if they're holding chips? Um, and are there any teams that are kind of coming to mind looking at the schedule in front of you? Yeah, um, so I guess I'll start with FPL Ferry's question. I think, you know, you, you can never discount that there's going to be another double in this season. This season has been one of the most ridiculous seasons we've seen um, ever in terms of fixture shifts and, and weirdness going on. And there's been rumours of this whole kind of, oh, game week 37 is cancelled. So it can be some sort of mega game week 38 where people can be in Loudoun and stadiums can be full, all that crap. So, you know, there's a doff chance of that happening. But still, I think, you know, it's just it's no point waiting around to see if that will happen you know 35 is probably the best time to use that bench boost um with the double game weeks and i think if your team's optimized for that i'd certainly use it then um for uh, karen's question on the free hit i always find it doing it in a double more rewarding than doing it in a blank it gives you that opportunity to completely shift your team and have 22 playing men it really gives you an opportunity to produce some massive scores as well. 200 plus points is possible in this kind of week. Um, You know, and in blanks, you kind of, it's just, you know, you have limited personnel, don't you? So the teams tend to be very similar. There's less opportunities for differentials as well as the most popular and best picks are already covered by pretty much everyone. So you're looking for about two or three men to, to fill out an 11 in a, in a free hit. And you kind of have these kind of differential picks, but they're kind of differentials for a reason because they haven't really shown too much form for, for the masses to have bought them. So certainly I'd say free hit in the double over the blank. I'm pretty adamant on that one. And, um, Finally, I guess in terms of the um, teams for targeting, I've, I've only really highlighted Everton at this stage. I think 
I just like the fact that they've got the double and then they've got a single game week after that. And they've probably, of all the doubles that Ben Crelin's predicting, they have the best fixtures of all, which is West Ham and Aston Villa. Um, we could call out Crystal Palace as well, perhaps Sheffield United and Southampton. Um, nice double there for them as well. So, And they've got a single game week as well in 36, Aston Villa at home. So maybe Palace, um, there's a few options there. Um, Everton, I guess there's more interesting um, high high potential options for the likes of Dean or, or Calvert Lewin, perhaps. Yeah, I just think that if we're getting to a point where, and you know, I know that Everton were fantastic in the early kind of part of the season, but if we're getting to a point where Everton and Crystal Palace are the game weeks that we're calling out as being the best game weeks and double game week is just not a sexy double game week, is it? It really isn't. The best fixtures that they belong to Crystal Palace. If it happens, Sheffield nice the way and Southampton away. Everton, as Nick mentioned, West Ham away and Aston Villa away. That's oh, a close second, isn't it? And the big teams, Arsenal, West Brom at home is the first part of it. And Chelsea away. That's kind of like one counts out the other, doesn't it? Uh, Chelsea, Man City away and Arsenal at home. Pile of mare, isn't it, really? Leicester, Newcastle at home, Man United away. Again, it kind of cancels, cancels each other out, doesn't it? And uh, Man United, uh, Aston Villa away and Leicester at home is uh, that's perhaps the better looking kind of big team game of the lot. But that means they also blank in 36. Ah, um, Yeah. Okay, so it's not the nicest set of kind of double game week fixtures if it materialises. Strategy first, I think it's getting into crunch time, isn't it? That you have to maximise the doubles for a chip if you've got some chips left, um, like Steve does. And I don't always have to. You know, for example, last year, I, I didn't mention boost into a double, and I still watch trouble figures there. Um, but if you can get a team into some semblance of order and use your bench boost chip then in answer to Steve at least I certainly think it's of course not the last chance but perhaps the best chance to maximise the usage of that chip unless you've got a time during the next few weeks where your team looks good enough that the single game week players who come off the bench are going to do a job for you um, free hit wise um, I guess it depends on your setup and strategy I know we wanted to kind of keep that aside but it's really hard to do you can take two routes though think looking at this so you can go all out for double game week 35 with transfers with knowledge of free hitting in game week 36 because you're covered by that so you can kind of make transfers to set up for that double you can load up on you know arsenal chelsea leicester man united players and just think you know what i've got the free hit i'm sorted and and the other way obviously if you're well suited 36 you kind of you know want to build the ideal 11 for 35 i think in some ways, it comes down to how you think you'll discern the biggest game. Um, and I often, I almost think actually that 36 could be quite good um, because you can do one thing, which is load up on Man City players against Newcastle away. Um, I think that most people who are you know, chipless are going to be ignoring that completely. So that could be a very nice game to load up on. Teams target wise, as I said, I love some news sooner rather than later. Um, I guess looking at Everson as well, as Nick said, Palace, Nick said, meaning maybe the talisman like you know, DCL or Richarlison and Zaha himself, who scored this evening. Uh, Anthony, what do you reckon here? 
Okay, so dealing with both of these questions, I think you guys have dealt with most of the issues with them. So with Steve's talking about the blank, uh, talking about using his bench boost, uh, my immediate reaction is just, oh, like I can't, like it's a tough time to use your bench boost because rotation is going to be a problem when you look at the later game weeks, like 37 and 38. But there's an awful lot of teams, <clears throat> excuse me, that you wouldn't necessarily want players from who have the double in 35. And if you load up on those 35 doublers, then you end up with quite a lot of blankers in your team for 36, which you can't necessarily dig yourself out of that hole from. So uh, in, with this, with those kind of ideas in mind, I think you should probably see if blanket are using your bench boost in one of the single game weeks, such as game week 34, if you're currently set up well for it, or even 37, which, which there will be issues with rotation in may be a better option than using it in 35 in the double and contriving an opportunity to use it in that double with players that you wouldn't otherwise want in your side. Looking at Karam's question, and that's focusing on the free hit, the thing with the free hit is that in the double game week, 35, there's an awful lot of teams that like the, we wouldn't want players from otherwise. So basically, it's almost a collection of on the beach teams there with Villa, Palace, Everton, Southampton. And then there's the four that blank as well. And I just don't feel like that's a, a particularly strong week to use your free hit in. I think you could actually gain a far bigger advantage on the template by using your free hit in 36 when an awful lot of people are going to be having all sorts of struggles dealing with um, probably not having 50 or having 11 players because an awful lot of people have an Arsenal defender basically Rob Holding. An awful lot of people have one, if not two, Chelsea players, and quite a lot of people have Mendy in their goalkeeper rotation as well. Uh, Leicester players are obviously all the rage at the moment, um, having had such a good fixture, and they're not going to be washed out of the template by the time we get to that blank in 36. And likewise, you've got Man United players, and obviously quite a lot of teams have two, if not three, of yeah. those. Absolutely. That seems like a great opportunity to free hit, set yourself up um, quite well for the, the last two game weeks following that. And so I think if I was to use a free hit, it would be in 36. But obviously, as we say, how your squad is set out is hugely, um, mm-hmm. you know, has a huge effect on whether that's actually the right outcome for right strategy for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's hard to get around, isn't it? But at least that's kind of like, hopefully gives a general kind of view of strategizing and also, I think that in terms of how we look at the that double, it's the, one of the least enticing doubles I think I've seen in recent history. So I think that probably is one of those things that when we get to it, maybe we'll be making a few more sort of, you know, short-term uh, recommendations. But really it is about kind of just uh, if you are strategizing around using chips, just uh, trying to align them with what we said, I think. So I think that's probably fair, decent advice. Right. Uh, next thing differentials by absence. Um, so, FPL Dave, the proprietor, uh, sorry, FPL Elf, uh, the proprietor of uh, Dave's Pleasure Cave, um, asks rather than looking for Uber differentials per se, can we identify some high owned players we can go without in our teams in order to help climb rank? E.g., he says looking at my team, the likes of Bruno, who I own, Martinez, who I own, and Bamford, who I own. And I'm guessing who a few fairly engaged managers are probably going to own. So I think this is quite an interesting one, isn't it? Because all of those players, they are players who are going to be 
amongst those who are owned by loads of people and also i guess in the large chart saloon for a lot of people bruno particularly two goals and two assists in the last 14 in all comps i paid 10.5 million for him he's 11.7 million now and there's always a sort of latent fear of him isn't there that he's just one haul away from being a central pick um He's been a little unlucky, a little kind of cold with his finishing, a few good chances against Burnley and Leeds. And he's actually fourth from Boston in terms of XGI uh, underperformance versus the Dells for the last six. Um, but uh, 20 points in the last six games, Anthony. I mean, would he be a player that you'd be urging people to think again on? Or is he one of those players that you think, you know what, just leave him there? Like, I've owned him for so long. I've and. 1.2 million or 0.6 billion sell value on him. So I'm iffy about selling him, but he's definitely the one that I'm looking at selling ahead of next week. Um, so it's one of those that I'm quite open to getting rid of. What do you be thinking here? Yeah, the Bruno one is really interesting. I think if someone was to do an, a linguistic analysis of FPL podcasts in the last 10 weeks in discussions about Bruno, you would see like a, a full spectrum going from completely essential to going towards dispensable at this point. And I'm no exception to that. I think I've almost gone on that. I've nearly completed my journey across that spectrum at this point, And I'm starting about starting certainly to think about selling him because as you say, uh, 10 odd is an awful lot to be paying for basically the joy of not losing uh, rank when he scores and even at this point he's um he's only about 70ish percent uh, eo at my rank so he's actually the, the fear is no longer as big as it used to be with having him i think what elf is getting at overall though is this idea of having you know differentials by absence effectively means getting in a differential and I don't think you can kind of uh, take apart those two different ideas that if, if I if I sell a player who's in the who's in the meta mm. to bring in another player, then I am, I think, by definition, getting a differential into my side. Yeah. Why not? I, so, I think uh, it's about kind of, you know, uh, Bruno is Bruno, um, but it's about kind of thinking, well, these are players who, and maybe Gundogan would have also been part of that, and you obviously you yeah. used to learn Diaz, Anthony, so maybe it would be also that too, where you earn points for other players as slavishly holding on to individuals like this, which we've seen in loads of seasons. And I, yeah, and I, I get where he's, I get where he's coming from with the question, but at the same time, we're, you know, it's it is kind of getting at the idea really that you know are they just no longer so essential that they're indispensable? And I think with Bruno, that certainly that question can be raised, and I think an awful lot of people who took the plunge earlier have been well rewarded uh, if they got the right players in for him. I think likewise, you could say the same for Bamford, you could say the same for Gundogan. And I think for myself in my own wildcard, I could say the same for any Martinez as well. Um, one of the players that uh, Dave actually noted uh, in his email or in his question. So overall, do I think differentials by absence is a thing? Yeah, but I think just differentials are a thing and to bring in differentials for underperforming players is a thing. And I think Bruno is certainly someone that we could be looking at selling. Yeah, I think I've kind of been trying to, this sort of approach in terms of my transfers in in, in some of the recent weeks, really, because I've, I've gone a bit against the grain. So I haven't brought in Jesse Lingard. I haven't brought in Mo Salah, though, saying that I've actually had some of these rubbish players that haven't been doing anything for a while, like Gundon and Bruno and stuff. I'm still in my team, sort of stinking it out to a certain extent. So um, <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's a bit of a challenging one, I think, ultimately. Um, 
I think that, you know, going for like avoiding these players sometimes just creates so much stress during the week as well. Like this week, not having Mo Salah against Newcastle was just panic stations the entire game, especially because he's scored after four got four minutes. I was like, that's it. This kid's going to go, like, if he keeps this ratio up, he'll have 20 goals by the end of the games. But obviously, he didn't score again, which is pleasing, though somehow managed to uh, find two bonus points out of nowhere long after the game finished. was very annoying. Then Jesse Lingard got slightly punished last week but only by a penalty and seven points this week he blanked so I kind of got away with it and I was trying um, you know by getting in someone like Pulisic he had 1.4% effective ownership this week which is ridiculous Um, and he was a player I thought actually I'm going to try and jump on and and get ahead of the game because he'd scored um, a brace against Crystal Palace got 15 points the week before that he scored against West Brom Um, you know he looked good in the FA Cup as well Um, scored an offside goal um, which cared offside. So I was kind of like, right, you know, this guy's on form. I'm going to get him in. Brighton, blank, West Ham, blank. It's just inevitable. But I thought he would be the next potential bandwagon to try and catch it before it kind of blew off. But just didn't yeah. work out in the end, um, or so far at least. And going without Lingard, sort of going for Pulisic instead, um, going for sort of the uber differential and the differential by absence, we're going to refer to it. Um, yeah, it, it sometimes works, but. It's a, it's a gamble, and but the reward is massive. And at this stage of the season, I think sometimes it's worth the, worth the reward, really. I don't want to just sit 100k and finish there, so I've got to take a few um, chances. Yeah, you've, you've teed us up uh, nicely for the next question there, Nick, which is coming from Colm O'Connell. Uh, she's asking if we could nominate three non-template players for the final five game weeks. One player actually quite... You know, started to look at you when I was thinking about this question was, was Gilfie Sigurdsson. I was like, mm, you know, he's a, the ultimate uber differential right now. He, he's, he was so rubbish oh, last season. I got there first. He was so rubbish last season that no one's like interested in him at all. Um, people have forgotten about him, really. But he is an FPL legend, this guy. If you remember two seasons ago, he was in that sort of team of the year, so to speak, as a fifth highest scoring midfielder, uh, finishing up on 182 points and yeah he's he's on penalties for Everton um he was pretty good unfortunately against Spurs the other week where he picked up a brace um he's also started he, he's not really been in the Everton team at all um but he's played the last three games um, 90 minutes for the last three games so obviously starting to gain the confidence of his manager Ancelotti um and you know playing alongside likes of Rodriguez as well I think he um it could be a really good differential. Obviously, we talked a little bit about Everton having the double and the blank. So that's why I was kind of focusing down that route. But um, yeah, here you've, you've also got Siggy then, have you, Tom, in your uh, picks? Yeah, I, I was just going to point out that two seasons ago, it was his best ever season in FPL when he was playing for Everton. That was like, you know, better than the time he was at Swansea when we all owned him. Uh, admittedly, so he's got he was... one, more, one point more. <laughs> yeah, 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 I know, I know. But I mean, that's still, that's still pretty ridiculous, isn't it, to think about? Because I think that he lost his sort of legacy nostalgia-ness uh, when yeah, he went to his, his His luster was completely like, destroyed, exactly. wasn't But, it? you know, just yeah. two seasons ago, he scored 182 points. Admittedly, he's getting on a bit, as Nick mentioned. Um, but he was one of the ones that I did kind of have in as being one he could potentially pick, although we've kind of been a bit down on uh, on Everton. Uh, but, you know, I know they've got Man City in game at 38, but over the next four, they've got three home games. And those three home games are Aston Villa at home. All right. Near. Uh, Sheffield United at home, relegated. 
and then 37 wolves are home on the flipping beach um so that could be a really interesting some set of fixtures and plus they would maybe have a double in game 35 as well obviously um i think he could be a really, really interesting one um just to move on as well uh, the other one is, is the second one would have been uh, matthias Pereira, um the second highest scoring midfielder uh, since the new year yep um and actually i think the highest scoring player uh, sorry i think he's the highest scoring player since the new year no He's not as he's second, I think. Um, but yeah, second highest uh, uh, yeah, and uh, players this new year. And I think he could be one uh, that you could be throwing in and hoping he's, he's, he's kind of uh, to get himself in the window, I guess. And uh, I guess we're all going to agree on Sahar as well. And Sahar scored tonight. Speak for yourself. He's going to be the one. Maybe Nick, you'd say this. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe Anthony, you'd be saying, no, no, don't buy him. Buy him. Um, James Cole or something, um, <laughs> but I, I, I think if, if, <laughs> given um, the fact that they've got a decent level game week, given the fact that they seem to have a decent enough plan against big teams, I'm sure that he, you know, before he scored tonight, would have gone under the radar because of Man City at home next. Um, but what is mind blowing for me actually is that he's actually joint um, in terms of his best ever. Premier League scoring season this year. I didn't see that. I didn't know that. And I, I kind of looked into it last, um, uh, well, today in the preparation for this podcast. And I saw he was just two goals off his best ever goal scoring season in the Premier League. And he scored tonight. So he's joint now with his best ever goal scoring season in the Premier League. So really flying on the radar. And uh, what's actually quite interesting about, um, about Zaha is that Crystal Palace, I know. Uh, Historically, they end the season pretty poorly. Recognised in Southampton double game week as well as Aston Villa before they end the season, and then Arsenal and Liverpool um, at the end of the season. Um, but I guess what's uh, really interesting about him is that he he's one of those who butts up against the on the beach theory because every week, every season, there comes that kind of time when you're like, well, you know, he's definitely personally motivated to get away from Crystal Palace and kind of uh, score loads of goals, get loads of assists and stuff. And um, so, you know, if tonight's any kind of indication, hopefully they're going to be playing that kind of same system against these teams and uh, uh, trying to play Zaha in. So at 7.1, he could be a punt that's worth kind of going in for. What do you think, Anthony, as the on the beach progenitor? Is Zaha one that you'd be kind of pointing out as being worth it uh, to like to come? No, so like of the ones that you guys talked about there, I think Siggy is by probably the most interesting of all of them. Just with uh, Decore injured, he seems to have that place uh, nailed down in that Everton side for about the next month, hopefully, all going well. And as you say, like the fixtures are quite good. Uh, generally, whilst Everton aren't exactly the most exciting team in the world, their form hasn't been particularly good. Uh, they haven't completely fallen off a cliff either. And so there is hope of something happening good there. I think when I'm looking at these differentials, maybe I haven't gone differential enough in what I'm thinking about. Like, for example, I think quite a lot of us who have three Liverpool players have got one defender, two attackers. That's basically TAA, Jota, and uh, our friend Mo Salah. I think I would. I think maybe inverting that and going for two Liverpool defenders and Salah, for example, is a very good non-template way of, I think, gaining ground in these next few weeks. I think just Liverpool are quite solid defensively. And obviously the frustration of conceding 
once and then again uh, in after, against Newcastle is quite annoying. Um, but all that aside, their underlying stats for defence have improved. They're not as good as they were last season, but they have improved an awful lot. And I think with Southampton, West Brom, Burnley and Crystal Palace, there's you'd think there's at least three clean sheets in that. I think another one that's worth looking at, and obviously there, we're talking about rolling the dice with Pep Roulette to get him in, is Phil Foden. Um, it's just it's basically a high ceiling pick, and you could talk about the likes of Riyad Mahrez and things as well. But just I feel Foden is just kind of one of those players that's quite accessible in terms of price structure to get into your side. Ceiling is quite high; he could score as much as anyone. Uh, City seem to be playing quite strikerless at the moment, and he is a useful player to have to capitalise on that if he's playing and there is obviously the if and you could be really disappointed with him coming on as a sub but there's a good chance there I think um, if Sergio Aguero is starting to get a little bit of time in the league he could be interesting as well we're not there yet though we're just not there yet but yeah I think Mason Greenwood even though that's maybe stretching the concept of differential a bit he's not got a huge ownership but he's certainly got an awful lot of talk in the FPL Twitter community at least I think he's a good option for these final weeks obviously there's probably a blank for United in there United's fixtures aren't spantabulous but I think of all the players that are playing week in week out um, week in week out for United at the moment Greenwood is the one to have yeah I I was going to mention um Whichever City player doesn't play in the Champions League as being a differential against Palace away uh, next game week. And I think that that might be a candidate to be brought in by me, that's for sure. Um, So, yeah, I could be on Sundays. Final question this week is from FPL Fairy again. Uh, Steve, who gets a rare brace in terms of questions, answers, uh, your countryman, Anthony, as as well. Um, But he asks, you know, he's got an FPL-related scenario for us. We're away from the internet for a fixture or fixtures. What's the first thing we check on our return to 4G or 3G? Well, 2G, I think, in the case of Cork. Ram. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking, I was like, 4G, that's optimistic if you're coming you from the wilderness. I've had power for half a podcast. I've just about had 3G for the whole podcast. Let's not get too excited here. <laughs> right, okay. So imagine you've been away, you know, camping for 24 hours with, uh, you know, you've been away for the entire game week. What's the process to get up to speed with, you know, results, news, implications, etc.? Camping, uh, camping for a game week this year is like a 10-day holiday. yeah it really is isn't it (laughs) you could traverse the globe in that amount of time on a horse it's it's, some of the game weeks have been so long Uh, for me the first thing I check when I want to see the FPL results would be live FPL and that'll just allow me to absorb all the damage of a game week in one go and just see how the arrow is looking up down fairly sideways go from there and then when I inevitably you want to see how the players you didn't have do I know the effect. You know the most efficient way to check this from an FPL perspective would be to look on live FPL at the you know players against you or whatever. But I just wouldn't do it that efficiently, even if I was just trying to load things rapidly to take in information fast. I'd still end up just going to the results and just going who scored, who scored, who scored, who scored, and just checking it out that way. So those would be the ones. Yeah, I actually quite. I actually use the Fancy Football Fix app quite a lot. Um, so, yeah, that'd probably be my go-to um, app just to log onto my phone, see what's going on, just use the live feed and see what's going on and just give press the old refresh button there on my squad and uh, see how rubbish I'm doing. That, that would be my kind of go-to approach. After that, I might go on to sort of the sofa scores or the live scores to see kind of an in, 
in-depth analysis of <laughs> who's done what and who's got assists for each team and results and stuff like that. So I'll probably go there. And then after that, social media, probably the Slack channel that we use just to see what Chris has said So and uh, what Chris is typing. So that will be my, my third point of call, most likely. <laughs> I thought about saying the Slack channel, but it's just like sometimes you've opened that after being away for a few hours and you're just hit by this like tsunami of like 300 messages. And you're like, oh God, I can't. Like, what happened? <laughs> I mean, I was going to say that when I was in Australia last year, I did exactly that. So like, what I really liked, and I was in, I've been in Hong Kong for the last kind of, uh, obviously not last year in COVID time, but every year we used to, I used to go there every year because my family were all over there, were half of them anyway. Um, what I really, what I really liked was the slow reveal of catching up on our Slack. So this is a private one. We've got a mix of real life friends and a few folk we've gotten to know in the FPL community, like Anthony, who's here, and um, over the, you know, the last few years. And uh, what I like to do, and this is actually a little bit, I don't know, maybe it's sad, maybe it's cool, is I like to spoil it back to the start of the day. So, you know, the, the day bef- before all of the results are there, like I'm kind of, kind of quickly, if I'm not look at like the results and what people have been saying during the chat and, um, and get, get, get the prices, get the prices and Alex chiming yeah, in but, from but, New but, Zealand. Yeah, 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 <laughs> get, get the prices. But the thing is that he was in the same time zone as me then. So it was, it was, it was ah, you know, yes, of course. And, but obviously, you know, I get to look at, you know, all the prices and then all the chat during the upcoming kind of thing that, like, oh, I'm not sure about this or oh, God, I'm really regretting making this transfer or whatever and then like, throughout the day you saw the story unfolding which is epic and you know, i remember when i was out there in australia one of the big things was a day when uh, mo salah scored and i triple captained him and sorry to bring this up nick and Mane got taken off in the first half and i was just like yeah on the bus i think it was i woke up on the bus and i was like oh my god it's amazing um <laughs> so yes slack first uh and then after that, I checked sofa score, see what happened. So, you know, games no one cared about, just see what happened and look at the league table. I was on Twitter then, but I think maybe I'd have kind of gone, you know, Slack is always one of those places where you kind of get to know people when you're a bit closer to everybody involved, and then Twitter's kind of next step down. So maybe I'd have gone Slack, Twitter, and then live score, perhaps, or maybe, you know, live score on Twitter somewhere around. And um, I liked it actually. It was, it was quite good fun uh, to not look at Twitter too much. Um, but uh, I think that, that was the way I did it. And it's, it's nice to kind of see things unfold in the story. I actually quite liked the idea that I wasn't there watching it happen. Because you know, during the Liverpool game, my God, that was awful. Like watching them miss chance after chance after chance. And my captain being involved, the player own being involved in terms of Jota. And also Trent being involved, you know, a defender who anything that he got, that would have been huge. Like if I wasn't awake because I was in different time zones, that should be better because it kind of feels like it's, it kind of it doesn't feel as immediate, does it? Like you're not going to be as pissed off. You're not going to be as angry um, about the fact that the person's something. If you look at some stats in the cold light of day, you're watching some highlights after they've happened. Like watching it as it happens, that live kind of factor is what's so like kind of addictive about live football at times, but also what's so annoying about live football at times. So if you're in Australia, if you're in Hong Kong or something like that, it is actually quite good to just kind of have that sort of emotional distance through the time distance, as it were. Right, let's move on to transfers and captions then. Uh, what are we going to do this week going forward? Obviously, we're waiting and hoping for some sort of um, announcement in terms of the upcoming doubles and blanks to help us out. Um, so it's all kind of very tentative. But Nick, what, what are you looking at doing? Have you got any ideas so far? 
Yeah, so I'm I'm probably going to captain Harry Kane. I think that seems like the obvious captain pick. He's um, performed well for me when I've captained him in recent weeks, as I said earlier. So I think I'm probably going to stick with him. Uh, considering he's yeah, a to be honest, after last night's performance against Southampton, he, he could be a really good captain pick as well. He'll probably have the um, 100% plus ownership again um, next week, so owning him won't be enough. Um, so he's he's an option, but I'll, I'll probably stick with Kane, I reckon. Um, in terms of the transfers, I've got I've got quite a strong squad actually for this um, game week after kind of a paper thin one the previous, you know, means that I'm actually benching Watkins at the moment just because sort of a bit, bit of a benching headache. So I was, I was considering um, actually just rolling it, to be honest, um, waiting for a little bit of news for the double game week and um, and then having two free transfers to get in Zaha or whoever else I need for, you know, some Everton guy like Calvert-Lewin, if he's fit, um, for that double game week. Um, so, yeah, might roll it, or I might get rid of Jota and get Lingo in, but I don't know, I might just stick with it, stick with the team I've got. This, for me, is one of the few weeks where I'm very much hoping that circumstances force my hand into a transfer, that I, I feel like it's a very hard week to sit on my transfer. Uh, I'd only have one free transfer, but if I... I feel like if if I'm not forced into making some sort of emergency move after the Champions League games or the Europa League games, indeed, with United as well, I feel like I might end up doing something silly like Fernandez to San, chasing a higher score and doubling up on those Spurs players. Um, it would be very hard to get Fernandez back in, and I'm terrified of doing it. But I feel like that's a potential way to really gain some gain some points at this point I've 30-ish points to gain on the top 10k if I want to get there and I do want to get there and I think I'd rather end up in 40k on, in an attempt to get to 10k than just finish here at around 22 20-ish and feel like I could have got there but I just didn't because I was afraid to chase points so look obviously I'm not wishing an injury on a player or anything but if there was something that came up that meant that I was just like oh right I need to sell X then that would be very handy because it would at least stop me doing this potentially chasing move potentially desperate move or potentially genius move sorry it's probably going that's Kane's the captain yeah I'm just avoiding controversy there for sure (laughs) there's just there's no point having a problem like if if if, um Ryan Mason comes out and says something about Kane um, being a little bit uh, out of training or something as the week goes on. I know he hasn't said that and he's saying full steam ahead to the man. Harry's a professional, I think, is what he keeps saying about Harry, which sounds to me like Harry is playing through all sorts of pain and will continue to do so as we battle to uh, surely miss out in Champions League football. But look, that, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. Um, but I'm not going to be left behind while everyone else captains Harry Kane um, because, as we know with Kane, even on one leg, he can find his way to a hat-trick, especially against a team like Sheffield United. Yeah, I mean, I've avoided captaining Harry Kane on two occasions over the last uh, four game weeks. Um, three game weeks, that is. That is uh, when he scored a brace against Newcastle and when he scored, when he scored a brace against Everton. So I'm not going to do that again. I think I'm, even though I'm chasing, I think it probably does make sense to captain Kane against Sheffield United because, you know, sometimes you're just kind of like, yeah, I need to differentiate. Sometimes you're like, I need to differentiate for the sake of it. This is one where you're like, that's no brainer, isn't it? Really, I don't know Sod anymore. Um, and to be honest, again, the Colin Cup final was Nick will no doubt, um, Carabao Cup final, I should say. Um, as Nick will no doubt attest, uh, Son did not look like he was at the races, so 
Let's go with Kane. Um, I think that the only move I might make is look at what happened to Man City, as I mentioned earlier in midweek. Um, if there's a player like Mares or a player like Foden who misses out, maybe I'll buy them in um, for uh, Fernandes or maybe for Jota. The thing is that Fernandes has got a double game coming up, which is looking pretty fruitful. Um, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm at the stage where I'm benching Jota this week and playing Greenwood, for example, and um, I'm not going to bench Bamford against uh, Bryson away, Ikenacho, Lingard, blah, blah, blah. So I'm benching Jota this week, and I'm kind of looking at that and thinking, oh, is there a better way I could use that money, really? Um, I could roll it. I could do anything. I'm just not sure. I'm just not sure at all. Uh, that's really it, isn't it, Nick? Yep, that's a wrap. Uh, Thanks so much, everyone, for listening to us. Uh, We were, of course, who got the assist. And if you enjoyed what you heard, make sure to hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. Yeah, thanks very much for tuning in, guys. We will be back next Monday after what is an almost normal game week. There's only fixtures on Friday, Saturday and Sunday. So that'll be, uh, and Monday even. So that's not too bad. So not a long uh, omnibus of a game week like we've had. The correspondence is who got the assist if you want to get anything into us there. You've heard the length and breadth of correspondence that we will take. So send it on and we'll get it into the pod. The next podcast may be without questions uh, because I know there's a social media blackout um, from next Friday to Monday onwards, which kind of rules out the majority of uh, our pods in terms of you know general commenting as well as um, after questions on Monday. Um, I think we're probably going to take part in that, I guess. Um, so maybe without questions, not sure yet. We'll see, but probably will be. Um, but in the meantime, thanks for listening. We hope this is you. Have a good week. Have a good weekend. And we'll speak to you at the end of the blackout um, next Monday. Goodbye. Bye, 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 bye. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Podcast Network.